Points in the Health System. Welcome to the Tippis Podcast. The Tippis Global warming is happening fast in the Arctic. Records of high temperatures and low sea ice coverage have been broken again and again in the last three decades. How is that going to end? Are we going to lose all sea ice during summers in a few decades? Historical records might hold the answers because the Arctic has experienced this kind of warming before. During the Eemian interglacial, which took place between 116 and 129,000 years ago, there were temperatures in the Arctic not unlike the ones we risk in the near future thanks to global warming. So, was the Arctic Ocean ice-free during summers back then? According to sediment data, yes. However, most climate models have claimed no. So what should we believe? Louise Syme from the British Antarctic Survey in the UK. You and colleagues have been publishing results in the last couple of years that have seemingly found an, a solution to this apparent paradox between data and models. Yes, we do okay. think we have actually found a solution. We started looking at this problem about 2019, it must have been, I think, when we found quite serendipitously that the UK model when we set it up for this last glacial, uh, last interglacial period, the Eemian, it happened to get the right sort of temperature in the Arctic. So we know from looking at pollen records from uh, lake cores, uh, also actually ice cores as well, and other records from the Arctic from that time, that the land surface temperature in the summer was about four and a half degrees warmer than it is uh, now, or at least was during the pre-industrial. So once we saw that the UK model had a surprisingly accurate representation of the summer temperature, then we looked to see why. And it was at that point that we realised it had almost no sea ice left in our simulation. So most previous models um, keep at least, uh, well, certainly more than one million square kilometres of ice in the Arctic. That's a technical definition for being ice-free when you have less than one million square kilometres. So, so the UK model had less than this, and it was the one that captured the temperature change more accurately. So this was the best evidence that we had, that this model was doing the right thing. And it was actually the best evidence, therefore, at that point that the Arctic was probably in a very low sea ice um, state or what we'd call technically ice-free once it's under this one million square kilometre threshold. Mm -hmm. and, and what did it tell you about how sea ice melting should maybe be represented in the models? We don't think the underlying physics has changed. So in terms of what's driving sea ice melt in during the Enemian and in the present day, we think it should be all the same sorts of things. But what we drew from the fact that our model did better is that our model probably has a better representation of those processes, the important processes. And in particular, the, the process that we've isolated, which we think is the most important one, is a representation of meltwater on top of the sea ice. So um, the UK model is almost unique in having what we call an explicit melt pond scheme where snow and ice, um, the upper surface of the sea ice, as it melts, then the water is retained and it gathers into ponds or puddles, if you like, on the surface of the ice. 
and the albedo changes, so the surface reflectivity associated with those puddles or ponds is really quite um, carefully represented in that model. And that's not the case for previous generations of sea ice models and coupled climate models. So we think the better physics, so the better representation of the melt ponds in that model is the main factor as to why that model seems to get things right. And it gets things right in the sense that it's telling the, us that there was hardly any sea ice left during the Inuin. Okay. And, but just the, you say the albedo, and that's like how much, how much energy from the sunlight is reflected back into space, essentially. How much light is reflected. It's how wide it is, right? And the puddles change the color of the sea ice. Exactly, yeah. So um, snow has the highest um, reflectivity, so it reflects back nearly all the, the incoming sunlight, radiation, yeah, sunlight if you prefer. Um, bare ice can absorb a little bit more, Um, but once you have ponds on top of the ice, then it can absorb more than 50% of that incoming sunshine. So it goes from reflecting over 90% to um, reflecting only maybe 40%. So that makes a, a really big difference to the, the energy budgets, and it's basically a, a positive feedback. So once you get these melt ponds gathering uh, on top of the sea ice, then you get more and more of the sunshine being absorbed, And it can make the sea ice from that point melt away very fast. So, so just details about how sea ice is melting away uh, during the summer in the Arctic made a huge change to how warm the Arctic became. Yes, um, and, and it's part of that same sort of positive feedback process. So once you've lost more of the sea ice, then much more of the incoming sunshine in the summer can be absorbed by the, the open ocean surface. Um, and yeah, generally the, the whole energy budget of the Arctic changes. And the biggest changes are when you lose most of the sea ice in the summer. So therefore you have this really big warming in, in the summertime. But the winter time for the Emian was not so different. And generally the Arctic was a little warmer, but not much in the winter. Okay, and now the exciting thing is that we do not know what's going to happen due to global warming today. But... This result that you get here, when you get the temperatures right in the Arctic, because the melting of the sea ice seems to be correct, then you can maybe tell us something about what you think might happen today, whether we will lose all sea ice, which means that it goes down to one million square kilometers or something. There's no absolute direct sort of um, analogies between what happened in the Emian and what happens in the present day. That said, as we kind of previously discussed, the, the physics are still the same. So because we've tested this sea ice model and it, it looks like it does a better job for this past warm climate, then we have more trust in it for the future projections that it's used to derive. And when we look at the future projections from this model, then they suggest that the Arctic could be technically sea ice free um, as early as about 2040, maybe even just before that. So generally the, the models which do seem to, to get the Emian temperatures and the Emian sea ice state better tend to lose their sea ice a bit more rapidly. So under previous projections produced usually by the IPCC, the um, International Panel for Climate Change, the prediction for when this, the Arctic would be ice-free was 
at least 10 years ago, maybe more like 2060, maybe even beyond that. There's still a really big spread between what the models are saying, and some of them are saying as late as 2080. But, but the ones which do really well for the EMEAN, they're the ones which would suggest that the Arctic's probably going to come become ice-free a bit earlier. So, like, we, like I say, it's only one model, but the UK model has it under business-as-usual type scenarios where there's not substantial mitigation of carbon emissions, then it could be closer to 2040. What does that mean for warming of the Arctic? Um, well... It's not so dissimilar from the EMEAN in that sense. So there will, if you lose the sea ice in the summer, again, you'll tend to have more warming in the summer. But the loss of the sea ice, when that's modelled, it does have really quite big knock-on impacts in terms of ocean circulation changes, in terms of um, mean atmospheric states, in terms of weather over Europe. And certainly uh, it has implications for things like the weather over Greenland and for changes in the, the mass of the, the land ice, which also has implications for our sea level. So if we start melting more of Greenland because we've warmed the Arctic up substantially through the loss of sea ice, then we'll start seeing the sea levels rise in response to that too. So this could have impacts for all of the Earth system, you might say. Well, of course, most in the Arctic, but this could really accelerate global warming, you think? Absolutely. It's a really good example of a positive feedback where when you when you lose the, the ice, you have more um yeah you, you have more warming as a result so absolutely and it will have big impacts in terms of weather patterns extreme weather events um yeah it will do a lot especially to the northern hemisphere and the polar regions but wider than that too mm -hmm. this is just one result then are you trying to confirm this result with work in other models or further work the basic answer to that is yes, we have done quite a lot more on this after the first paper that was published. So one of the things we've done is to look much more closely at all the other models to try and understand why some of them do lose more sea ice and some less. And it is a little bit complex to look at that because Arctic sea ice is not the only part of the system that's important. Um, some of the models have slightly stronger cloud-related feedbacks or other water vapour-related feedbacks. So some models will do slightly different things according to the way their clouds are represented in the model. Um, some will do slightly different things according to what circulation changes are in the ocean as well. But on the whole, from looking across the models, it does look like the way the sea ice and particularly albedo feedbacks and perhaps most importantly melt ponds are represented is probably the most important difference between the models. Um, and then in addition to that, we've looked more closely at the data we have from the cores, the lake cores, the, the, the pollen data and such like that we base our assessment on. And we've tried to calculate using jointly all this data and all the model output together, what we think is the most likely state of the sea ice during the EMEAN. And we think actually, probably the EMEAN wasn't ice free in the summer every year, but rather the average state was probably hovering around about the one million square kilometre mark. So that would mean that it 
experienced a mixture of summers which were technically ice-free uh, and probably slightly more summers, we think, which were just over this one million um, threshold. So that, that's kind of where we're at now in terms of understanding it. Um, and then we're doing a little bit model more work investigating the physics of the, the sea ice model, partly just to confirm that it's absolutely definitely this melt pond scheme, and partly to check really carefully what the implications are of whether this scheme is switched on or off for our future projections. And we are finding that it is this melt pond scheme which is really key, both for the past warm period and for the future projections too. And from all this extra work, do, do does it still hold that like... 2040 seems to be where we will find the first Arctic ocean without sea ice. So I think my, my honest answer to that is actually I think that the UK model is slightly too sensitive. Actually, it probably needs one more bit of the, the physics puzzle put into it, which is to look just a little bit more carefully about how the meltwater sort of also drains away from these ponds. So at the moment, um, the, the meltwater gathers nicely into the ponds, but we know that in reality, once it, all, these ponds form and they all pool together, that and when the ice reaches a certain thickness, then gaps in the sea ice will tend to open up and actually that water will drain away. So we think actually probably the model still needs a little bit more development so it's better than the previous generations. But if we think, if we let a little bit of that pond and meltwater go, then it might be that actually that projection for when the, the Arctic becomes sea ice free um, might change a little bit. Not, I think, hugely, but it might be that that particular version of the model is predicting the Arctic to be sea ice free just a little bit before it should. Buying us a little more time. Well, I mean, it's primarily not dependent on, on this. It's dependent on carbon emissions and yeah, trajectories in terms of uh, policy and, and what happens with emissions and carbon potential carbon capture and such like. So, so no, I think. But it, it, but it, but it's an interesting time for sea ice modelers to be looking at this sort of thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we've they've definitely we've all made progress forward on this, but there's always a bit more to do. Tips. The TIPIS project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Tips Programme project. under grant agreement number 820970.